Hey, hey, we had a little technical difficulty, so we're starting off from where we left off. All right. Okay, so you had a job. So I'm back with Matt Bauer. Uh, hey. And we're catching you up. Uh, so he so he had you had a job. Uh, Deliver flowers. Delivering flowers. To uh, very love, very much loved people, I guess. That's not even the right proper sentence. Fuck it. Uh, hi, Mom and Dad. <laughs> Uh, so I had to deliver flowers. He agreed to be the chauffeur, the driver on this, this run as I delivered flowers and we we're going to cut the profits 50, 50, split them 50, 50. And then he also came up with this idea cause he knew I had to make a documentary class project. He's like, why don't you just get our mutual friend Darren and, uh, just have him videotape from the back seat. So I was like, all right, let's do it. And Darren's on board, and we'd go through the day, and we realized how horrible we are at getting anything done together. And when it was captured on camera, it ended up being hilarious um, at the expense of his sanity more than mine. But it ended up becoming this little weird side project at school where I was like, well, let's just make all these little goofy mini documentary episodes. So we must have made like half a dozen of them, and it was just, ultimately it was like we did things like deliver cans to random people in a mall and like or or repair a door that I ended up breaking yeah. but, but like ultimately it was always putting Zach in a situation where I wanted to really ruffle his feathers so that he just gets angry on camera and and looking back on it um, even even in the years past I, I feel like I was being a shitty friend but it was so funny at the time so I was like fuck it why not you know and then college ended we kind of like went our separate ways trying to make a living and then we find ourselves uh, working together at the same wedding editing company. And we were thinking, like, what if we do another documentary? And then we thought, like, well, why? Oh, that's we... crazy. So you guys ended up working together after college and all that. Okay, yeah. Cool. So, so uh, and we, we took as much of the story as possible. And maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but we try to base it off reality. So yeah. by that, I mean, we were like, let's document ourselves doing stand-up for the first time. And we did. But we also were just like, but let's pretend the cameras aren't there. Let's pr let's just improv the whole thing. Like, okay. And we did that. And it ended up being like a journey from us in Long Island, because we're both from New York. And uh, we, we started the journey where we had two camera guys with us, uh, with these little DSLR things, these Canon cameras. And they were on us all day long. And we also had a mutual friend, and he was kind of giving us cue cards of conversations that we asked them the right, because they knew us really well. Uh, oh, cool. good friends of ours. So it was like, so I, I, so the direction I gave them was like, write down things on these cue cards that they know that we'll get into an argument with on camera. Cause we, there was no lines in the script. It was all guides. And, um, so they would give us these cards, uh, as we we're going throughout the journey, like seconds before we roll. And that'd be our fodder. And, uh, we just do a bit. And really it's just us talking the whole time. There's nothing more than, um, us talking on camera. We go do stand up for the first time, both of us. Oh my god, it's the most embarrassing thing in my life. <laughs> but that's the that's the thing about stand up, you know. I'm sure everyone's bombed, especially their first time. Especially their first time, and then after that, I moved out here uh, along with that same friend Zach, and we tried to really make this into a movie, but also incorporate all the old documentaries we made, and and it was it was fun. Um, I spent a, f a couple more years than I w would have liked to spend on it, to be frank. Yeah, because it did uh, take you guys a while. Though. It did, yeah. Because the thing is, we, we realized um, with how... Because we didn't, like I said, we didn't really have a script. We had more of a guide. Yeah. And that guide was good at... It was like a good second and third act. 
we didn't have a really good first act. And I think I was really fixated on trying to make a good first act. And where it currently lies, and, uh, and I've had good friends who worked on it being like, really, like, that's just, it, it feels synthetic. It doesn't feel as good as the, the actual journey that happened. Because we shot most of it on the first day, strangely enough. And, um, but that's fine, you know, you live, you learn. And now um, I'm actually been contemplating with Zach, uh, or rather conspiring of, Taking it as a movie that will probably go nowhere in in reality, in real world, and chop it down into a, into a mini web series. Cool. And just put it online. Yeah, that's a great idea. Fuck it, why not? Yeah, you know? and I mean, you guys just were doing it as a college kind of project. Yeah, that's what it all came from. So this, I think it was naive for me to expect to make money off it. Not like people with less haven't. You know, like some people succeeded with like just a shitty camera on Netflix. Right. But it just, after a while, I think I just, I got so caught up in a certain vision, you know, and yeah. it was all coming out of pocket. Oh, God. Yeah. I threw it's so expensive. much money into that thing. Yeah. And it was not even like a, a per, an official production by any means. And it felt counterintuitive towards moving to LA and trying to get into the scene and being like, oh, I got this hinky dink movie, you know, that I love, but like it doesn't reflect on me as a professional or the professional I wanted to be. So there was a little bit of tug and pull on that for a while, but with that said, I'm super proud of the experience yeah. with it. And I've no, been it's cool. Through. It's cool, man. I, I really liked it being a comedian. And also. actually, you had a cameo yeah. in it too. Yeah, dude. We it was more than just a cameo. We we produced yes a good section of that film together. So, so yeah, because we did um we filmed uh, part of the thing was we filmed uh, my stand up show and used that as kind of. The inciting action. Yeah, what what motivates uh, Zach and Matt to go to um, do stand up? Yeah, you know, they're like watching a comedian on YouTube and like, you know, oh that looks fun. And then you guys went out and did it. So, <clears throat> would you have you done stand up since then? <laughs> I've done it. I've done it maybe three other times since then. Okay, and it was mostly around that period of coming out here, and I yeah realized very shortly after like it just it wasn't. It's I another full-time job. Exactly. It wasn't something that I... And I was already wearing too many hats coming out here trying to, like, make, a, make it work. After yeah. So I was like, you know what? I could get good at this, but I just don't think it's worth my time. And, yeah. I, and I do say that with the utmost respect. Because the thing is, I didn't really have a knack for it. Or, like, I didn't really know how to, like, roll with it. Louis C.K. is such a huge inspiration for stand-up in general. Yeah. You know? Politics aside, like, he was... You know, like, he had great jokes. And there's just some nuance to that. I think whenever, when I did want to give it a shot, I was always looking up to emulating a comedian such as him or yeah, other people. Yeah, it kind of starts off like that, though. Yeah? Well, how long did it take? For, so that's that's how it well, started with you, right? Well, or, you always have comedians that you look up to, you know, like I always loved uh, Rodney Dangerfield. You know? Oh, so yeah. Like, yeah, so <laughs> like you have to, yeah, so you have to look up to, to, um, to somebody to know what you want to become. I mean, athletes do the same thing. Mm -hmm. You know, there's they study different other athletes. Even now, when preparing again for my wrestling tournament, you know, yeah. I'm constantly watching videos of um, of two two guys who won the Olympics was uh, Dan Gable and John Smith. You know, now mm -hmm. you know obviously uh, Olympics aren't in my future, but you know when you're working on anything, you know if you want to draw, you kind of find somebody who has a drawing style you like or whatever. So you never, as a comedian, you can never take somebody's jokes 
uh, you can't really, um, or their, you know, their voice, but you can, you know, there's certain things that you can do that, uh, you, you know, you can think, okay, well, they had that great bit on, uh, on Mount Rushmore or whatever it might be. Yeah. What, well, well, I got, oh, you know, I got a joke about a president. It might just inspire you. It, it opens your mind, you know, to what, um, uh, different things or, or it lets you know what's funny or not. So there's, I don't think as long as you're not like stealing somebody's stage persona mm-hmm. or, or, uh, you know, we just watched that rant on Bill Burr, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, so you so you watch and you see, okay, well, here's somebody, this guy, man, he just uh, was in, you know, this was six years ago, but we watched his rant in, in Philly and you're like, okay, well, he went after the crowd. Mm-hmm. They were giving him all kinds of hell and it, so you can, you can always be learning from them. You just can't use their jokes or... Um, of course not. You know, yeah. but so I think there's nothing wrong with having... Uh, 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 somebody uh, that you look up to as your uh, as kind of a mentor, actually, is mm-hmm. what it is. Yeah, sorry. So, so yeah, so and that's fair. Have you seen this show? I know Joe Rogan raves about it. Uh, Marvelous Miss Maisel. I gotta see that yet. That's good. Yeah, my Netflix yeah. got cut, shut down temporarily. Oh, it's the, a, it's Amazon Prime. Oh, Amazon Prime. Okay, yeah. yeah, I've never had Amazon Prime. Yeah, yeah. I, get I don't know. I like. I, I'm, I'm just keeping it until me and the, the lovely girlfriend uh, finish season two. But I, oh. I gotta tell you, like the first episode, not to give anything away, yeah. like, um, like the the lead lady, um, she's married to a guy and he has jokes and like he's funny, but then she doesn't realize until later in the episode. That like he's actually stealing the jokes. Oh, and and when he and when she brings it up to him because she like heard a, a record, a comedy record. Yeah, and uh, you know she's just like, uh, these jokes are from this other thing, and he's like, yeah, I mean comedians do it all the time, you know, like and it's and it's interesting to her being like, well that seems strange, you know, mm-hmm. but then by the time they that her husband hits a roadblock, and he's just going into like a comedy club, like like, like just like a night, a late night place Mm -hmm. and he bombs one night and he really takes it to heart and so when she says like you're not actually taking this seriously though right like why are you bugging it why why are you so bugged about when he says well yeah i am i'm 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 devastated i want to be a professional comedian and and she's like this this came out of nowhere and she takes it even less seriously because he's a he wants to be a professional comedian but he's still in jokes it's yeah it's got to come from within right yeah shit man yeah man so it takes, you know, it takes longer too for um, for people to develop who are really coming up with uh, more original stuff. I feel, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you see uh, uh, people that are kind of doing worn out premises and stuff like that that the crowd will like. Yeah. Uh, race uh, stereotypes that we all know, but to um, it, you know, to really find it a lot of i think a lot of people who are uh, more original it, it might take longer i've seen plenty of guys come up and come down pretty quick yeah uh so yeah so that's cool i gotta see that i gotta see that show i recommend it yeah you love breaking bad that's that's your favorite man that's my favorite too dude. it's so good it's i you know it's one of those things do you ever do you, have you watched better call saul i've seen some of better call saul yeah yeah and it's it's fascinating because like the reason i bring that up is yeah. that like i don't want to say i'm sick of breaking bad i've seen it so much and i know i love it that like i'm a little hesitant on watching it again being yeah. like 
you know, like when you watch them too many times and you're just like, I yeah. can't look at this anymore. Yeah. But, I, but I mean, that's just how much I love it. It's yeah. just so fucking good. And uh, what's in, in the, and interesting about Better Call Saul is that like you have these shows that are like these prequels. You know, speaking uh-huh. of people running out of original ideas, yeah. I'm not saying that Better Call Saul is unoriginal, but it almost feels like there's a divide. Because you have Saul Goodman, yeah. like his story, and then you have Mike and the Trap. Yeah. And in the first season, um, without giving too much away, uh, the story pacing for Saul is kind of slow. I mean, there's payoff at the end of season one, but it's a, it's a little bit of a slow burn. But you know, like they're they're trying to hook in a lot of Breaking Bad fans. So Mike Emma Trout's kind of like where he comes in. Yeah, Mike was the he was the cleanup guy. If yeah, you guys remember he was the cleanup guy, the tough tough guy. Um, yeah, so he's awesome. And he's great. I, I he was my favorite character in Bre- Bre- I mean, Bre- Breaking Bad. Yeah. And uh, however, I noticed like as. I've only I've seen most of season four. Like I'm, I'm three away from wow, finishing it's that far it. Already. Okay. Yeah, it's that far, and it's crazy because like five Breaking Bad had officially five, but six years of production, yeah. and it's nearing it. But like, I almost feel like I don't know like where it's going. You know, it's a prequel, and I feel like as we've been progressing in the show, uh, Saul's story actually gets better and better. Like as far as like a well, really interesting, well crafted story. Okay. And it's not like falling into those tropes of like you know I don't know if you're a Star Wars guy at all, but um, uh, man, I I like the the first three. I even like some of the others, but then when the last couple I saw kind of suck. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, there's well disregarding the Disney ones, and the reason I bring them up is because of the prequels. Yeah. Those ones that came out at the end of the nineties. Star Wars. I mean, I liked like the first three when I was a kid and all that. And then yeah, those are good. The, I like the Darth Maul even, but uh, then uh, the last one I saw, I kind of like was losing interest in that. It's just yeah, well, ridiculous. I mean, they well, the, the jumping to the prequels of that though, like it was so fixated into like how things happen, yeah. you know, and like that story just never it works for some people. It always gets on my nerves. So it's just like you, you sort of get in this how Saul becomes or how Jimmy McGill becomes Saul, and they're actually doing a really good job of that, but. But Mike feels like fan service now, you know, where it's just like so much like here, he's doing all the things connected to Breaking Bad. And some people can like that, um, but it's fascinating how like a show that could be such a standalone, acclaimed series is now like considered uh, franchise material. Yeah. And they do things like that. I don't know. I think I'm going off the rails with this, but I will say this. uh, Vince Gilligan has officially announced making a movie set in the Breaking Bad universe. A full-length movie. Oh, that'll be cool. Was Brian Cranston in it or no? Um, I don't. I, I don't think there's been any more confirmations except for the name of it, which I forgot What's the name. I forgot the yeah, name. it's on IMDb though. It, so it's something it like Breaking Bad, but a movie. Yeah, yeah. I think it's like a feature-length format. Because we don't know if Brian Cranston's dead. I mean, he's dead, right? You know, there's a. I saw some fan video theorizing that he could have survived. Depending where the ricochet, the spoiler territory, by the way, uh, of of um, of the ricochet from the bullets, I guess, coming at him. Like, there's a someone did an intensive analysis, and it was just like there's a possibility he could have survived and went to court and like you know stood trial. I mean, but Better Call Saul is not telling this, which is a little frustrating because like at the beginning of every season of Better Call Saul, they have like a teaser that takes place after Breaking Bad, and it's following Saul 
when he's up in his remote job, like like a Cinnabon or whatever. Like he's already like had his identity. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you're really not learning anything about Walter White. You're not even seeing a news clip it if this man ever got to trial or if he's dead. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's cool, and I get that. I would like to know that answer too, though. (laughs) Yeah. I think he's dead. I mean, sometimes it's kind of cheese if they don't, you know? Yeah. It's kind of cheese if he survive all that. Like, because what a good way for him to die, dude. Mm -hmm. That show was awesome, man. Yeah. A lot of people have... A lot of people think that, like, it feels like it's morally robbed, even though you see him lose everything, but, like, he still goes out on his terms at the end. I liked it. I I mean, I always wanted him to win every every situation he was in because he's... I mean, he had he had cancer, and all these people screwed him over, and um, then he comes back. I mean, yeah, it's like dealing with a person's dark side. And the, the nice teacher he was at the beginning to where he came from, it was everything about it had me hooked, man. And it's it's hard yeah. to hook me in to to come home at a certain time mm-hmm. to watch a show. Oh yeah, I mean, it, but I was there every Sunday. I would be like, okay, I gotta see this. Yeah, and it was that's a good point. It was. <clears throat> I mean, you must have seen it when it was live, right? I would watch it live because I didn't want to... I was that excited about yeah. it. Yeah. So, like, what, what season did you come in on it when it was broadcasting? I was there all... Uh, maybe I came on the beginning of the second season. Nice. But I think yeah. I, but I caught up on the se- first season right away and went into it, you know? And then I actually worked with Brian Cranston on um, Lincoln Lawyer. Oh, yeah. So he was That's a cool true. guy. That's great. You man. know the story. Like, my roommate... Yeah. So, my roommate... Went out of town, so okay. So I, I was broke, man. I was uh, about ready to go back to Ohio, and uh, I had just gotten an unemployment check. Okay, my final unemployment check. It was a Friday, and then I got a phone call from uh, the casting company saying that they had a possible job for me to stand in for Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. What's oh, your wow. What's your level of stand-in between one and ten? I said ten. I had never done it before, but I figured, well, if I can do stand-up, I can do stand-in. There you go. So I said, 10. She goes, okay, we'll get back to you. And I'm there with my roommate at the time and my other friend, and we're smoking weed. Uh, might be why I was unemployed. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I told him, hey, I think I'm going to get a job stand-in for Matthew McConaughey. And my one buddy goes, hey, that, don't sound, that sounds too good to be true, because I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. And then I'm like, but... I'm like, okay. So, uh, but, you know, so... Sure enough, uh, I got the job, but I, I didn't have a car at the time. And uh, I didn't have a car at the time, so um, uh, my roommate, uh, Mike Circlin, was going to uh, New York City for the summer. And he yeah. said, you can borrow my car. So I borrowed his car. I got the job. By the end of the job, I had enough money for a down payment of, on a car. And then there was the rap party. And Mike was a huge, he's like you, fan of Breaking Bad, like huge, yeah. huge, like loved it. So I took him to the rap party, and uh, he probably spent an hour talking one-on-one with Brian Cranston. No way. It was awesome, dude. That's so cool that Cranston was like oh, that chill. Just, boom. It was just those two. I mean, of all the people, too. 
Because Cranston, you know, you know how a lot of people, oh, they try to find who important in the room. Yeah. No, Cranston was like, this guy loves my show. It was right at the end of season one, so I had just caught up. Maybe it was season two. Maybe it was in the season two. I don't Lincoln remember. Lawyer was that early? It, Lincoln Lawyer was in 2009 when they filmed it. Wow. Like, okay, yeah, you're right. It's like, I think between one and two or two or three. Or yeah. Like so, yeah, I think it was maybe, yeah, maybe two and three episodes. I mean, season two or three. So, yes, yeah, so Mike was so happy that he let me borrow <laughs> borrow his car all summer. Oh, my God. And uh, so it worked out for the both of us, but... Yeah, dude, that's... I, I That is fantastic. Yeah, man. It's good to know he's, like, real. Oh, down to earth, man. I had a very brief encounter with him. Very brief, minimal. It was at, it was at a, a signing for uh, the release of the final season. So it wasn't just him there. It was, like, Gilligan, Dean Norris, Bob Odekirk, and they're all just sitting at the table. You know, the standard thing, yeah. like... So they sign the thing, and you say, thank you, I love your work, or whatever. And so I went through the line, and, and uh, so I saw Dean Norris, and I was like, hey, you're great. Uh, Bob Oker, hey, you're great. And then Vince Gilligan, who, from a creative standpoint, a writer, producer, yeah. I was just like, I was like, dude, thank you so much. You're such yeah. an inspiration as a creative. Right. And, and, and they tell you before, you're not allowed to touch them. You know? Okay. So like, I, all I did was say that, and I guess my hand was on the table, and but he reaches for it and shakes my hand, being like, "Oh, bless your soul," you know, or something like that. Cool. Such a sweet guy. And I'm like, uh, "Guys, security, I'm not doing yeah. this. Don't <laughs> kick me out." Yeah. And he signs it, of course. And then Brian Cranston's there, but like, I guess he's caught in a conversation with just an average Joe there. And yeah. I'm like, "That's fine. I get it. The move line's got to move." Um, and then, but as I'm walking by and I'm being escorted off in the crowd. Uh, you know, I just say, like, uh, thank you again, Bri- thank you, Brian, you know, like, something brief, and then he just, he leans out of his way to say to me, like, thank you so much, you know, like, yeah, that guy's a good that's dude, good, man, very, like I said, minimal, but he seems genuine, yeah, that guy's a true artist, man, I love it, so what do you have, do you have any projects in the works, you know what, film or otherwise, <clears throat> well, yeah, because we're doing, um, we're doing uh, this. I'm trying to best I can to film as much as I can of, of making my wrestling comeback, mm-hmm. which has uh, been great. I've been getting thumped around. I mean, my ear has been hurting lately again. Oh, so, shit. Yeah, so I'm doing the wrestling comeback, uh, and I'm still doing stand-up shows, but uh, I've actually, like, tonight... <laughs> I, I don't know, maybe I got my priorities in the wrong spot, because tonight, instead of going to the comedy store, I went to wrestling practice. Uh, but uh, you know it's what I'm having fun doing now and yeah. uh, and uh, then um, uh, and uh, so I'm going to be filming that as best we can just doing some fun stuff with that mm-hmm. and then uh, in March I'm headlining Brea Improv again and then uh, uh, in in uh, I want to do the D- Disability Film Festival again with Scooby yeah yeah dude you know, I, I think uh, you're going to do that out in Ohio then right? yeah I'm going to film in Ohio again definitely find a crew yeah, because I'm going to be there from, uh, like, pretty much all of March till they film, till the, mm-hmm. till the thing, till the festival starts. So I just want to, like, you know, because, t- man, that, I have a better time doing that short. I mean, yeah. that, to me, was way more fun than, than working on that feature film, honestly. The feature w- was... The one, but, the I mean, one the I one that you wrote. Yeah, 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 because, you know, that was... That was that was great to get something like that done and everything, but mm-hmm. I just didn't have I didn't have fun on it. Was it like did you guys get money out of it at least? Well, or? they're still like um, doing the festival thing with it. Okay, you know. So, but it was just that 
I don't know. It just wasn't as... Uh, it just felt too much like work then. It just wasn't fulfilling much, yeah. you know? Like, at least with Scooby, dude, I'm like... It's... I love Scooby. I feel like I'm, I got a better story I'm telling there. Mm. You know? Mm. I, I, even mm. if it's just on YouTube or whatever the hell, you know what I mean? It's like a... It's a better... It's a... It's a it, it connects with me more, you know? And I'm doing it just out of... Uh, the love for doing it rather than doing something to get in, into Hollywood. Yeah. You know, and uh, obviously by how you can tell I feel recently about uh, things that... I, you know, I, I was just going to refer back to that because what's interesting about people saying there's only seven types of stories or something like that or whatever, or even I think there was a master class with Ron Howard and he says that... Uh, there's, he believes there's only one story that you're telling. What's and, that one story? I don't know. It was, it was like part of the, the advertisement. So oh, of course okay. he's not going to tell you until you pay like yeah. however how many hundred dollars to watch his master class. But um, you know, for the record, I don't really know how much it costs. However, what is fascinating with this day and age is that now it's affordable to at least tell a story. You know? Like you still got to put a lot of tender love and care into it, but... You know, if you're really dedicated and you have the money set aside, you know how to really budget a very micro-budget film, you can at least tell it and see it through and not, like, have the script just be blacklisted, you know, or sit and just... Yeah. So that's... I And I think that I mean, gives dude, more opportunities to tell different stories that the, Hollywood wouldn't approve. I think that things are changing, right? Because, I mean, obviously they're changing. I mean, I feel like people are just as interested in people's freaking Instagram stories mm -hmm. as they are watching. Because you think, to watch Better Call Saul, yeah. you got to invest 30 minutes a week. An hour. An hour, sorry. Yeah. An hour <laughs> a week, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and people, they don't have the attention span and where they're watching. I, I mean, it's just a, a type of thing. So is there a way to create something solid from these short videos that still tell a story. I mean, because mainly most people are not getting there, right? Mm -hmm. Because uh, you're watching, uh, you know, just chuffa chuffa like cats and uh, yeah, yeah, and, and this clickbait. Thing, you know, you know, yeah, clickbait. I mean, you know, unless it's a swine time video, mm -hmm. most people are not up to that level. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. You know. So, but I'm saying that. But there, I think there will be a, a there for a for a good. Actually, Ishmael does it a lot on his videos where he's actually telling a story in these short clippets, and I think that people are 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 into that. I don't know what it's going to do to movies and television, mm -hmm. but we already see. I mean, television got good shows now, but we see that movies are taking a beating. And people really aren't watching TV live, right? They're like watching it off of Netflix or other yeah, things. Yeah, mostly. There's very you really have to like a show to come home and watch it, you know. Uh, At a certain time too. Yeah, yeah, I mean, only sports people really are that dedicated to, right? Yeah. Because if you don't see the game live, somebody's gonna tell you who won, mm -hmm. right? So you're gonna be like, oh dang, the Patriots won in overtime. I wish I would have saw that, right? Yeah. So. I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've ever paid for cable. And by that I mean, like, even when I went to college, like, that's when the internet was booming. Facebook yeah. was booming. It was just like, I don't need fucking 
TV yeah. network, you know? Like, yeah. did I really want to watch it? Uh, it was at least, uh, at least back then I knew how to pirate stuff well enough to not get caught. And uh, needless to say, one summer, one Oscar season in like 29 or 10, I got caught downloading every nominated film and I was like, I'm done. I'm never going to do that again. But now, but, 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 but you jump forward and now everything's on Netflix, everything's on Hulu, Amazon Prime, yeah. you, you pick it, movies man. and shows. It's, I'm, I'm, it's I'm a dying like, breed. I'm like into YouTube, man, because mm -hmm. I got caught on the, the ramp. I watched, uh. Pro wrestling documentaries. Nice. I watched nice. three of them in a week. Well, I should say I watched three of them three days in a row. Mm -hmm. It was uh, Breath to Hitman Heart, Wrestling with Shadows. Uh, that one was awesome. Then the next one was Beyond the Mat. And then I watched one on Hulk Hogan. And, uh, okay. Nice. And man, just the, wrestler, the pro wrestlers' lives, man. It's just like, wow. Are these like documentaries you could pay on YouTube to watch or no. they just they're just out there free free legit or legit like people free. just like leaking them beyond the mat I mean uh, but okay beyond the mat and Bret Hart wrestling with shadows dude this was amazing man he oh I don't even know where to begin on that basically Bret Hart's dad was a pro wrestler and he had this place in their basement they called it a dungeon mm -hmm. and he started training his sons and and he would pretty much put them in chokeholds and all this and make them tough. Like, just like put them in moves and all this. And then Bret Hart, you know, he ended up becoming in like uh, the 90s, the, the champion. And uh, he was going to switch over to another uh, wrestling organization. It was WWF versus WCW at the time. And he was going to switch over to WCW. They offered him all this money. Mm -hmm. But he'd always been with Brett, uh, with WWF. So Vince McMahon was like, stay here, I'll give you a 20-year contract. Because WCW was offering him $3 million for three, uh, $3 million a year for three years. Mm -hmm. So $9 million in three years. Oh, shit. And Brett, Brett the Hitman Hart was a loyal guy. So he went back to Vince McMahon and WWF. And then Vince McMahon tries to... Um, cheat him out and uh, mm -hmm. switch the contract around oh, wow. so after he pledged his loyalty to him Vince McMahon pretty much tries to screw him over well then Bret Hart's from Canada he's going to go to Canada to wrestle and he's gonna, but then he's going to switch to WCW so Vince McMahon doesn't want him to leave with the belt and Bret Hart said that's fine I don't need to leave with the belt but don't make me lose the belt in Canada where all my fans are and where I'm from Mm. So it's basically like, you know, telling me to go back to Covington, Ohio and uh, and uh, bomb hard, hardcore or something like that, you know? Like, yeah. so, so Vince McMahon uh, tells Bret Hart, okay, yeah, we'll do a disqualification and you'll lose the belt the next night, right, on the other show. But not this pay-per-view. You'll lose it, you know. But, and he was supposed to lose it to this one douchebag, Shawn Michaels. And, uh, what happened was they said it was going to be a disqualification, but they set it up. They tricked. They did a, a flop. They they did a flop where Shawn Michaels puts Bret Hart in this one move, which they had planned out, and then the ref called, made it look like Bret Hart tapped out, and Bret Hart didn't. Wow. And he didn't know that, and they rang the bell and they gave the belt to Shawn Michaels. The <sighs> ref 
runs out because he knows he screwed him over, right? Oh, and, shit. And then, so Bret Hart spits on Vince McMahon, the owner of WWF. He spits on him. And then uh, he, uh, in the dressing room, Bret Hart knocks him out. For real. For real. Knocks his ass out. But we didn't get to see the knockout, but he knocked him out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, I just ruined I the like whole that's movie for everybody. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but hey, so then that, that's how you know it's real, though. You know, like when they're not putting a camera up to it. Well, that wasn't, that part was real. The whole, yeah. the whole him losing and not supposed to lose. Because, you know, the title means something to the... Okay, you can say it's fake and all that shit. Yeah. But it means a shitload when you're the champion. Sure, And you don't sure. want to lose it after being loyal to Vince McMahon for that long. You don't want to lose the belt uh, over that bullshit. For sure. And, and just to clear, I mean, just real in the sense of, like, like was it, like, whether or not, like, more people were in on it just than the ref, and they were just like, now let's get a camera of him getting knocked out or something. Like, it wasn't, a, it was a real knockout. It wasn't well, just, like... Well, the documentary, nobody got the footage. Yeah. Because what happened was, Bret Hart goes crazy, right? He's yeah. pissed. So he starts, like, trashing the place. And then he finally gets into Vince McMahon's office. Vince McMahon, WWF owner. So he gets into Vince McMahon's office. And they can't get the cameras in. Okay. Okay? But then you see Vince McMahon, a few moments later, Bret Hart walk out. And then you see Vince McMahon walk out. And he's all staggered, like, all wibble-wobbly. And Bret Hart said, yeah, walked in there and knocked his ass out. Fuck. And Vince McMahon, I think I think he should have knocked him out and kicked him in the face three or four times. Because I mean, what a shitty thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. That that's a guy who's not a man of his word. Yeah. And uh, Vince McMahon, man, I mean, I still watch pro wrestling and all that. I can't help it, but mm-hmm. in my opinion, Vince McMahon's a real piece of shit, and uh, he's really fucked over a lot of those wrestlers. Yeah. Yeah, then you gotta watch Beyond the Mat uh, because <laughs> that tells a story about Jake the Snake Roberts that's incredible. That's you just got. I mean, it's I talk about this shit all day. There's a whole world about wrestling, man. It's, it's like it's not just you. Like I have some college oh. friends, then they'll go on about it for hours and oh, hours, man. and I'm I just mean, like, dude, you because that was it's pro wrestling can become part of your big time youth, right? Yeah. And then you want to, and then like I don't know, like maybe five or six years ago. I got back into it because I hadn't seen it for a while but then Undertaker had a match against uh, Triple H and I, I hate Triple H mm-hmm. and uh, but I love Undertaker and uh, that match was incredible yeah you know and uh, you know because Undertaker oh man what what dude what a phenomenal character that guy was so or is still kind of but <clears throat> yeah and then Hogan, dude, he got ripped off by his ex-wife. Yeah, I think I've heard of that. Yeah, what a bitch. So, <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> so anybody's still listening, sorry. I wouldn't too much of a pro wrestling fan. But, uh, so, so, but then again, though, jumping to the things you're working on, you're getting all this footage of you wrestling. So yeah. are you, you going to like try to piece it together as like a, a vlog or a documentary as yeah. of like where your mind is now? Yeah, so, I mean, I'm, I'm like just trying to get the footage together. Like, so yeah. I want to get the footage together. I want to interview different people, right? Because a lot of people think I'm going to get my ass beat. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you are just getting into it, so, oh, so it's been maybe twenty it's a years. Reasonable it's reasonable, that. totally reasonable. Yeah. So I, uh, uh, you know, uh, and who knows? Because the problem is too, uh, at these tournaments uh, that they have in these off-season things. Yeah. It's not schmucks that do them. Mm. 
Now, I'm going to be the only one who's been off this long. Most of the people who do these off-season tournaments are thinking about wrestling all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're taking their Saturday, Sunday off yeah. to go do this shit. Yeah. So it's not like a hobby. Like, a person can do running as a hobby. These guys are either going to go to college and do this, in college and doing this, or have done it in college and they're now still kind of doing it. Okay. Damn. So, so they're, 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 they're in the zone. So they're in the zone. I, I mean, there's... My coach was telling me, he goes, I don't know how we can find somebody... <laughs> <laughs> like you doing what you're doing in this, you know, because I was trying like, man, I want a fair, like, because if you're in a, there's like, yeah, I can go into the high school and take down the high school kids, but the kids that I'm beating up in high school, that I'm wrestling in the, at the high school practices, those kids would not go to a tournament like that. Yeah. And you said it was like an 18 year old cutoff anyways. 18 right? and up. Yeah. yeah so you gotta be 18, which makes sense. But I was saying like a senior, so I could wrestle a guy who just graduated or something like that. Yeah. But the... The, the the only the hard more hardcore people will show up to a tournament like that on a on mm-hmm. a weekend. Yeah. You know? Um so So what are you gonna do? Get there, better? Yeah, I'm just trying to uh you know, it sucks because yesterday I didn't practice. I was like kind of bummed out and I didn't go to the practice, but I'm just trying to you know, I'm just trying to visualize the moves that I used to have mm-hmm. and I'm slowly getting them back actually. And uh, so yeah, I'm just trying to you know get get uh, get as competitive shape as I possibly can because I don't want to look a fool out there. Sure. Right. Yeah. You know, and um, uh, so I want to 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 keep it close, and I want to work on the the really I only got like five six moves top max uh, really, so I just want to work on the ones I have, and I'm just kind of trying to remember things which is hard because mm-hmm. uh, there's so many moves in that sport in so many ways and so many little tricks you know grab his ankle instead of his knee spin there's all these little within inches we're talking inches sure can change your whole balance on somebody and positioning but uh man i'm having like the time of my life doing it and i kind of you know, a lot of ways regret i uh, have not been doing this since you know sure but i think that's kind of the story uh and then so i want to get some of the kids that i teach uh wrestling to that i coach i want them to kind of talk into the camera and say what they think could happen Mm -hmm. and then uh you know i want the guys who think i'm gonna get my butt beat i've had them say some stuff and i want to trim that in i mean i wish i could do it more like real style where we walk around with the camera and follow into and yeah. maybe I can get some of that but you know um, because really what's going on is similar to how that you would actually structure a Hollywood story mm. yeah with my with my training right so um, and, and I'm trying to post this on Instagram because you see me smoking weed drinking and chasing girls Right. Yeah, those are the three vices. You the got, three right? vices. Yeah. So there's my vices. Mm-hmm. Now, and and as I'm going through, you see me in my real life. I'm stumbling. Right. I'm fucking up as I'm going, but I'm still training and getting better. Now, if you took, yeah. if we could have got the footage when I first went onto the mat 
how bad I was getting thundered at the practices. Uh, the the Tuesday and Thursday practices, which is adult practices mm-hmm. with guys that are like college wrestlers. Yeah. How bad I was getting thundered then to now. Like, I'm getting better, you yeah. know? So, it's there's a whole great story in there. But, um... You, you gotta live it out. And that's tricky, because it's not like there's a script for it, there's too. An, you gotta I, see we, how it goes. We don't know how it's gonna go. Yeah. You know? And then I was telling this to, to somebody, and he said to me, Yeah, but you, there's no... You need a girl character in there, a woman character. And I thought to myself, Yeah, in a Hollywood thing, they would have that. Because there was a movie... Uh, but you know what? That character is not in my life, yeah. right? There is no love interest in my life right now that would play that part. So I, I think that like if this was like a like a Hollywood movie, instead of sound, because I thought, okay, what if I would write a script about this whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. I think instead of having the f- making up some phony baloney chick who's there for you because there's yeah. not one. Mm-hmm. Right, and there's a lot of men who who are like, dude, you gotta fucking do this shit, especially in this day and age with the whole feminist, we hate men shit, and men are not, you know, there's a few, some guys who are stubborn like myself who are like, that's a bunch of bullshit, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, uh, I can do, I can handle myself just fine alone. Um, uh, that uh, and uh, that you um, that basically I thought, okay, but what is I I was thinking that the kids that I work with on the junior high team, they are uh, the character that kind of inspires that I'm learning from and mm-hmm. that I'm teaching at the same time. Gotcha. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. if we if we could make this into a feature film like uh, old school, like a regular thing. That rather than, uh, you know, if, if they came to, well, we're going to produce this film, then I would fight to, and somebody said, well, we need a girl character. No, we don't need that because we can have the girls that I've met who are actually distracting. Yeah, I was just going to say, man, if you even like the, not to dive into a particular person, not like I remember her name, but yeah. like, you think of the one in the summer that was giving you a hard time. Oh, and man. Like, that could be the person... That that could be the character in your movie, yeah. And, and you break the stereotype of like how, and it, and it's like that the stereotype of the stereotype. what sells, you know? yeah, of what sells because they always want you to have this. Mm-hmm. We find a woman who back you. Well, here's somebody who is the opposite of that. Sure, who tear you down, mm-hmm. and then you come back up. Yeah, and boom. But they tear you down because you allow them into your life. Yes, you allow yeah. them in your life. Sure. And it's almost like a cleansing, like getting rid mm-hmm. of, you know, and then it makes the makes a more of an independent person. Yeah. That gets that that out of your head and uh, gets that person out of your head. And then you go on to accomplish your goal because, you know, um, uh, man, I don't know this story, but Dan Gable, he was the greatest American wrestler. OK. And he said that he went on one date in college. And he was out till 2 a.m. And he said, I could never do that again because my practice sucked the next day. I'm like, I'm the opposite of that guy. If I had that kind of yeah. discipline. Mm-hmm. You know, I say I say disciplinary, like you're on the other end of the spectrum. I'm on the other end of the spectrum. I'm always out till 2 a.m. with some, yeah. somebody who's <laughs> not going to be around for, you know. Yeah, yeah. More of like in the moment type mm-hmm. actions. Yeah. yeah, in the moment type actions. Everybody said live in the moment. Mm-hmm. Not really a good strategy. Yeah. You've got to plan for the future. you got to plan for the future, but you also don't want to be planning and planning 
and not actually giving yourself a deadline. Well, yeah, but Dan Gable gave himself a deadline. It was called the Olympics. There you I go. would trade. I would. I tell you what. I would trade all the girls that I've I've uh, encountered mm -hmm. to have uh, had a shot to go to the Olympics. Really? Yeah. Well, no I mean, doubt about it. Shit, no doubt about it. Yeah. Without question, dude. Because then you've actually accomplished something with your life. What's she gonna say? Well, I, oh, I banged these chicks. Oh, nobody cares. You know, well, I, I don't mean, even what's, care. What's the headcount looking like? Ah, oh, well, I don't even know, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 kind of a in a way you can consider it as like an accomplishment. But I, I I'd rather have a gold thing. medal. <laughs> it means something. You look at all this work I did. Oh know? man, yeah. Well, I I get it. I totally get it. But I guess like the. Deadlines, you're right, man. I mean, but the thing is, like, I, I jump back to King of Idiots, for instance. Yeah. You know, coming out here, having a goal, like, I just want to be successful, you know, making movies. But I spent, I was too oriented on getting one thing just right. And, and I think during that, yeah, okay, I went out and I was social to an extent. But I think I threw a lot of, I put a lot of opportunities I could have pursued to the side because I felt like I wasn't ready for it. And I think what kept me in this this weird, like, fog of, like, uncertainty and constant planning was that I didn't have some sort of hard deadline, you know? It was just, like, keep yeah. throwing your time into it, keep throwing your money into it, and it, you'll get done one day. But then, like, there's just nothing there that's, a, like, a wall to be, like, it's good enough now. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Cause and then keep striving to make everything perfect, and it takes Yeah. Uh, that's the, the big lesson I learned from that is, like... You, can't get in the perfectionist trap because yeah. it will cost you years. Uh, what could have been done and finished with a little savvy crafting in a year, I think I dedicated four years to that on the side as far as like the yeah. passion project. And, you know. Then you can't move on to other passion projects when you're doing that. It's like you could. And I did do some things here and there. Yeah. Um, yeah, we did a few things. We worked yeah. on the on again, off again. There's some fun aspects to that. You know, yeah. like there's a good, like good writing and plots to that. And, and there were side things I try to do as well but you know at the end of the day like I felt like the best I had to offer on the and I don't mean to come off pretentious when I say this but I think I guess I just had so much writing on the idea of like well I'll have a movie made but you know like but really at the end of the day it's just a long project you yeah. know that you're just trying to stretch out to say that it's a feature length movie and like I don't know at the end of the day it's just like it, it was a cool thing could have been done a lot quicker though because now like ever since I've kind of put it to the side it's 2019 Matt and I've made at least did I ever show you the athlete? no I'll have to show you that afterwards cool. it was just this great thing I worked with a, a gold medal Paralympian oh wow uh, two time uh, uh, gold medal winning and uh, it was just a short film slash spec ad and it was just one of those things where it's like, it wasn't just me getting better at my craft, but like certain people really putting a lot of faith in me and being like, they want to, they wanted to help me out. And I think they knew that when they saw me like trying to struggle and try to figure out the next moves. Cause it's tricky. Cause out here, it's so easy to, and I'm not like trying to say everyone's either being used or like abused or, or abusing or, or being abused, but like. It's, it's very easy to not grow if you're not surrounding yourself by people that are going to, like, at least, like, encourage you and challenge you to do things, yeah. you know? And, I mean, 
You know, we, we've challenged each other in the past with stuff, which was good. It's important, you know? Yeah. So at the end of the day, it's just like, how, how will you grow, you know, if you're always going to be in an echo chamber? Yeah, man. You got to keep growing. You got to keep growing. <laughs> man, we grow on this, man. This is one of the long, longest <laughs> podcasts on, uh, Swan, uh, on Swine Time history, man. Really? What, what, what's the longest one before this? This. Because this man, is now. We, because we got 25 on this. We got over an hour, it's man. It's an hour and 20 minutes now. Yeah. Holy so, shit. man, you know. Yeah, you know, we got to start. You know, Well, you know what that means. It's swine time? It's swine time. <laughs> hey, thank you guys for listening to the podcast uh, uh, and all your support. This has uh, been Matt Bauer. One more time, ladies and gentlemen, for yes. Matt Pat Bauer to come on to the to the uh, podcast. Uh, M-A-T-T-B-A-U-E-R. You can find him pretty much on any uh, platform. What's your uh, YouTube? Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, so uh, I have an Instagram called uh, Not Jack Bauer. There's underscores in between. Um, I also... Can be reached. Oh wow! See, this is the thing I gotta work on my uh, my web game. Yeah. Um, but if you go to un- uh, at not underscore Jack underscore Bauer, you'll you'll find my Instagram there. I also have a, a podcast about climate change. In case anyone's curious, it's called CarbonSpectrumPodcast.com. I guess that's the only and vi- stuff. Uh, I want to say Vin. Uh, oh, Vimeo. Yeah. Vimeo. I, if you look up Matthew Al Bauer on Vimeo, you'll find me. It's like the icon is of a dude making a weird face. You know. So. You, you can find a couple of things there. Um, but yeah, man, I'm just trying to make more things. All right. Yeah. Looking forward to uh, future collaborations, dude. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you guys for listening. It's swine time.